All right, let's do this, right? Something new and something old. Something new. Jesus came to bring something new that even today is new. And if we live a thousand, thousand years, it'll still be new because his grace is new every morning. So it's new. And um, I always say that new covenant uh, is all about bringing the kingdom Covenant and kingdom are one. The covenant, God's covenant promise, his promise of what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring forth a kingdom. Now the kingdom, we're getting told about the kingdom, but the kingdom lives inside of every one of you. If you're alive with it, you don't even know it. There's a burning inside of you for things to be not like they are, for reality, for truth. There's a, we, and so we sing about it and your heart leans into it. Is there really a God who can tear down every lie? Is there really this hope that we can have that this can happen? And Jesus came and everywhere Jesus stepped, newness was with him. And as the newness unfolded, as it flowed from his hands, from his words, from his voice, from his heart, as that newness flowed forth from him, people said, This must be the king. Well, if it's the king, what does it bring? If you find a king, you'll find a kingdom. And therein is the secret story behind all of the talk of the kingdom in the Bible. And Jesus comes telling us about this this kingdom. He says, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. But I find out that every heart yearns for it. Every soul longs for it. Don't you want to live in a realm where there's no lies? Don't you want to live in a world in which there's no disease? Don't you want to live in a place where the will of God is always done? Don't you, doesn't your heart ache for the reality of what can be instead of what is? You come here with the burdens that are on you because you're living and breathing inside of the lies, inside of the pain, inside of the fear, inside of the, the things that this world has given to us. But, but there's a witness on us. We live with a witness. Rudyard Kipling called it a whisper. You guys like poets? I like poets. I don't, listen, I don't think the poets have to be the kind of believer that I would go, yeah, that's the kind of believer I'm talking about. I don't think they have to be that for them to, oh, I think I lost it. I don't think they have to be like I think they are for them to have the, the re- you do know this, don't you? That, that, that the poets and the songwriters and the artists, they're all yearning. They're all giving birth. They're all saying something. They're all, they're all longing for something. And people who achieve, who strive for greatness are reaching for something. And people who celebrate the greatness that they see are wanting to be participants in it. There's a desire in us for greatness, for glory. And so we, we, when we don't have the glory of God, we roll it into the glorious things of this earth. And so every time you have some kind of person that achieves something, we want to know who's the greatest of all time. Who's the goat? Because, because we want to celebrate glory. We want to get a piece of it. We want to lean into it. We long for it. It's, we're aching for it. 
And so rock stars fill stadiums of people who are looking for a transcendent experience, looking for uh, uh, things that in their songs that they sing about the aches that are in their hearts. And people go to hear them because they want to lean into that prayer. And Jesus comes and says to the kingdom of heaven. I just told you about Kipling. I better go there. I, I, I have ADD. You know what's great about the world we live in today? That, there you go. Well, listen, what's great about the, the world we live in today is that no matter how you, how you act or no matter how weird you are, it's a thing, and there's always, there's, you know, there's a, you know what I'm talking about? Every time I do something that's wrong, I look, uh, Google it to see if it's a thing. So I can say, you know, I have this thing. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the word, ex, the explorer, there's no sense going further. It's the edge of cultivation. So they said, and I believed it, broke my land and sowed my crop. Built my barns and strung my fences in the little border station, tucked away below the foothills where the trails run out and stop. Until a voice as bad as conscience rang interminable changes on one everlasting whisper day and night repeated, thus so, something hidden, go and find it. Go and look beyond the ranges. Something lost behind the ranges, lost and waiting there for you. Go. And that's how we live our lives. As those who've heard a whisper that cannot be denied. And so we go forward. And when we begin to die is when we can no longer hear a whisper that takes us out into parts unknown and regions unyet conquered. And we begin to fade and the breath goes forth from us. But whilst we have a voice lingering in our souls, we say, oh, God, can it be? And so last week I exhorted you, if your eyes are on the weeds, your heart will melt. And Jesus tells us to keep sowing and keep going. And, you know, the weeds increased last week. Some of us noticed. And I went back to the word of God. And back to the place where I'm planted. Something new. A kingdom. Something old. A covenant promise. Something new. A king. Finally come forth. Something old. One who will crush the head of the enemy. And the idea lingers inside of us. And the, the disciples of Jesus' day stood right there. And I remember when Peter, in his astonishment, said, What our eyes have seen, what our hands have handled, the word of life that we're speaking to you. And he goes on to say, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so he comes to them again today and he says you know the kingdom the one that whispers to you 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy goes and sells all, all that he has and buys the field. Man, I've tromped all over the fields of northeast Albuquerque and the foothills and the mountains. I've just tromped all over all that places. And, you know, sometimes I ponder and think about this passage and say, what if I walk through this open field and has, I find something. You got it? So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, here's what it's like. It's like something that when a man finds it, he says, I'll give anything to have it. See? Matthew, is it what you've gained or what you lost that your eye is on? It's what you've found, what you've turned from. There's nothing in the past that could call you back there. There's nothing that could take your heart and say, this is better than what you have. And so you're, you're like Paul. You're a bondservant of Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about seekers and I kind of wondered, was this man a seeker? Was he somebody, was he like we were when we were little kids looking for buried treasure? We'd find the map on the back of cereal boxes. And then we would find something that correlates to the things on the map, just over the fence in the backyard, out in the pasture and across the field and down in the ditch where the water flows. And in the side walls of the ditch, we could dig our little tunnels and say, is there, is there a treasure here? And we'd find shiny rocks and say, this must be surely gold, at least silver. And we'd make our plans to appropriate Mr. Hederman's field. It's in the heart of every person. Is he talking about a seeker or is he talking about a guy who's just passing on the way and suddenly he sees something, his eye is caught. The ground is disheveled. And to his astonishment, he finds something of such value that he says, oh, if I could get this piece of land. People do it all the time, you know. I heard about, I heard, I actually read an article last week about this place in Texas that um, just a few years ago was just sandy soil, worthless and now something about the kind of mining that we're doing, the, the kind of harvesting um, of, of oil in other fields makes sand for filling holes like gold. And they're selling their dirt and they're getting wealthy off the dirt, off the sand. It was worthless. A treasure hidden in a field. Which when a man finds the joy, you know, every, every time I go to a beach, there's some dude with looking for somebody's wedding ring. <laughs> he won't be able to buy it, but he'll be able to cop it. <laughs> We're treasure seekers, treasure hunters, kingdom longers. 
We long for a kingdom. We're desirous of a kingdom. We all, listen, do you understand that, that most of the people I disagree with want the same thing I want? They want that kingdom. They just see it in different eyes. And so I laugh because the political parties left and right, all of them really want the end of the pain. Do you understand that? And so Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to give you a kingdom. But behind it was not the bloody path of, of swords piercing thousands of people. For him behind it was just a cross for him to go. And be pierced. Some people think that Jesus is the one finding in this parable, but I think not. Jesus well knows the kingdom. He well knows what there is to be found, and he well knows that he's the source of it. He himself is the source of it. I heard the whisper long ago. I heard the voice long ago. When you stop hearing the voice, the voice of the pain gets so loud that then you start spending most of your life. You know, most people spend most of their lives trying to get out of pain. And doing things to end the pain. And they're willing to mortgage their future for moments of placidness. So they alter their minds and destroy their bodies. Because the respite from the pain will help them. We're the same. We want the pain to end. The trouble to end. The lies to end. So I heard the voice as a young man and it was calling to me. And I went on that path of filling life with all those other things. But they didn't take the pain away. And they could mute the voice, but they couldn't kill it. I hear people all the time who talk about, well, they're, they're, not, they're not followers of Jesus because of all the hypocrites. And you know that's always amused me. Y'all know, you, you guys know that I'm mostly amused at the accusation of hypocrisy from people who are no better <laughs> and just think they are it's mostly amuses me because because when when i was lost i saw the witness of people who acted badly but it didn't make me go it, i still knew there was something real i knew there was something real you do know that muddy water, do you know that, that toxic water doesn't stop me from drinking water? Or longing for water? Always, no matter how bad the example, there was a witness, a whisper of something hidden to be found. And I remember the day I found it. All I have to do is talk about it and it comes alive again. This is why I preach. I preach to heal myself every week and tell you and tell it again. And this is why, this is why you need to, you have to get off the bench. 
and into the game, telling the story of how you found him and how he came to you. Because I want you to know that the testimony of Jesus is in opposite power and the same to the testimony of your misery. If you start talking about your misery, all the feelings of it will come to you. If Listen, I, I know enough about depression that if I just start describing depression to someone, I'll need to go put the covers over my head. But when I talk about him who loved me and gave himself up for me and came to me and kissed me to life and showed me hope again, when I talk about him, I come alive again. And I don't have to have... Do you understand the, the power of it is in me and on me? Because I found the treasure hidden in the field and gave myself for it. And it never stops. Never stops. This is Jesus, our King. I think I have some more verses. Again, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of I love that King James of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. It's just unfathomable. Think of it. Think of it. A man who knew pearls, a man who knew everything about them, a man who could, uh, you see the way a pearl is, most of us are just like this. Most of us, you can show us any pearl and we'll think it looks the same. But to an expert on something that, oh, no, 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 not that one. No, 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 not that. Where did you get that? Where did that come from? That's the one. And he has such a value for the greatest of all time that he says, everything else I have is garbage. I'm done with it. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't Paul one time say, And all that was gained for me, I counted as loss. I counted it as dung for the excellency of knowing Christ. I love this pearl picture. I love that it's not a diamond. Everyone knows that in this world... Diamonds carry more value. But in the, to those of us in the spirit, the pearl, is, the pearl is the... You understand the pearl is the stone. The pearl is the precious one. Why? Well, because all the stones are, ca- are formed by heat and pressure and time. But the pearl is formed by pain and suffering. And so it witnesses to us. It witnesses to us. It bears witness to us. We we sing our songs about gates of pearl and entering the pearly gates. Or if you will, entering into the heavens, entering into heaven. Because that picture comes from the book of Revelation where the kingdom of heaven is depicted as a as a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven with with uh, four square and gates, three gates on every side, and every gate is a pearl. The entrance to the city of God is through a pearl. Now this, this parable tells us, this is an interesting thing that this parable tells us, that the price of the pearl is everything. 
The price of the treasure for the field is everything. And it's got an ironic twist on it for us because we know that what God gives us, he gives us for free. And here we're being told that the cost is everything. And I'm telling you that both are true. Always these spiritual truths live in this tension of an irony that we don't understand. So I'm telling you, it's absolutely free and costs you everything. Do you know that you only have one thing to give God that he can't get somewhere else? Just you. The only thing you have that he wants as his habitation is you. And you're the only one that can give to him that gift. And he says, I want it. And we serve a God who in the same way says to us, I have something for you. It costs you everything. Is the same one who says, I want you and I'll give everything. And so the the gospel is of a God who says he gives himself for us in order to give himself to us. And he gives himself to us in order to live himself through us. (laughs) And so the kingdom is... The realm in which the will of God is always done. But his intention is to set it up inside of you and me. I'm going to set you up where the lies can't live. I'm going to set you up where the, where the destruction and disease will get destroyed. I'm going to make you into a habitation for my glory, for myself, for my truth, for my goodness, for me. This is the kingdom of heaven. I'm signing up. Wait, I already did. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into a sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous And throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a piece of a parable that says to us, the same as the parables always say, there's a reckoning to be had. Because you see, the only way you can actually ultimately get rid of evil is to judge it. You have to judge it evil and cast it away. And so Jesus puts this thing. He says, I have something to give you. It's worth everything. And then he says, oh, by the way, the end of the age is going to be like this. It's not just going to be like a harvest. And you remember in the harvest, the angels were coming. And you remember here, he says, in the, in the, in the net, the angels are coming. I have good news for you. The business of sorting out the good and evil is not yours. You don't have to do it. That's that. That, that's that wonderful relief from, from, from judgment. But it will happen. It will happen 
And we all know it. Just as surely as there lives inside of us a witness of a kingdom, there lives inside of us a witness of a reckoning. And of the reality that each one of us will give an account of ourselves unto the Lord. It's an unbroken witness that stands so powerfully strong. He goes on. Have you understood all these things he said to them? And I love this. Yes. They said to him, yes. And he said, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of the house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This was Jesus. Jesus was the master of the house. The house was filled with old treasures. But I like the fact that he begins by saying, I'm bringing the new. Oh, yes, and the old. The old is not cast away. The old is fulfilled. All the testimony of the kingdom of God, all the witness of the covenants of God's creation, all the promises of God find their yes and amen in this master of the house who comes and brings forth the new. And says, here it is. See it. Receive it. I give it to you. And this is Jesus. And this is Jesus. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. This is the third of five times in Matthew's gospel that we get a phrase, something like this. Um, and when he had finished these parables, this is the third of five. In other words, this is the third of five great teaching moments. If you want to, Matthew is the gospel with five great teachings of Jesus. It was, a, I'm just throw this in because it's not without suggestiveness that it's like that. Matthew was fashioning what he was writing, which was something new. He was fashioning it after something old. Matthew is the scribe who has come with something new and something old. The old was the five books of Moses. Lying behind all of this stuff. And the new will be these, these wonderful words of life from the king who brings with himself a kingdom and sets it up within you. Kipling's poem, it's, it's lengthy by our capacity for three stanzas. I won't trouble you with the whole thing, but he, I, I exegeted his poem a little bit. That is to say, he speaks of the whisperer five times. And he closes this way. Have I named one single river? Have I claimed one single acre? Have I kept one single nugget barring samples? No, not I. Because my price was paid me ten times over by my maker. But you wouldn't understand it. You would not go up to occupy. He's speaking of those who won't hear the voice and go seeking. Oars you'll find there, wood and cattle, water transit, sure and steady. That would keep the railway rates down, coal and iron at your doors. God took care to hide that country till he judged his people ready. Then he chose me for his whisper. 
And I found it. And it's yours. Yes. Never, never country. Yes. Your edge of cultivation. And no sense of going further till I cross the range to see. God forgive me. No, I didn't. It's God's present to our nation. Anybody might have found it. But his whisper came to me. And so Jesus finishes his teaching. He's done with his parables. And what we see next shocks us. Because there's only one thing in this world that can stop him. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? This is, this is, you remember earlier when they said, where did this authority come from? Somebody was asking me this week about authority because, um, you know, I come from a fundamentalist background. In the fundamentalist background, authority comes from the inerrancy of Scripture. But I noticed something about the, the doctrine of the inerrancy of Scripture. If you study it, it's a reasoned argument. It's, a, it's man's reasoning. Does it carry authority? Yes, some, because a well-reasoned argument carries some authority. But that's not real divine authority. And that's not what Jesus carried. And that's not what the whisperer comes to give you. Real authority is divine presence that cannot be said no. Not easily. Not easily. Real authority is the person and presence of Jesus. Real authority is what he is and what he carried. And in his presence, they said, you see, it wasn't his argument. It was the force of his existence. When I come with my Bible and give my Bible to people, I don't spend time arguing with people over trying to prove the inerrancy of the Bible. I just pull it out and speak it over them. Let him show up. Let him show up. You see, because I believe my Bible, not because I answered every question that could be asked about the text and the scribes. I believe my Bible because I met him there. The whisperer came. And I met him there like I've met him nowhere else. The voice of thunder that speaks of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And they said, they were astonished. Where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Did they not have their Bibles? Yes, but they didn't have what he carried. Is not this the carpenter's son? Ah, now they begin to reason. They begin to deconstruct him. You and I live in a season of the reasoned deconstruction of people, rationalists everywhere. It's everywhere. If you hate lies, this is the wrong time to be alive. <laughs> is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and are not his sisters? Are they not all with us? In other words, they said, we know this guy. And they took offense at him. I cannot stress it enough. I will not stop saying it. 
When your heart is offended, be alarmed and say, what's wrong, Lord? What am I missing? Because offense will close your mind and close your heart. And yes, sometimes there's things to be offended at. But if you're a seeker of heaven, you better test all things. And you better test them by the whisperer's voice. And you better test them by the divine presence. And you better test them by this man, Jesus. They took offense of him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor, except in his hometown and his own household. And this is what it says. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. How does this happen in this context? I said to myself as I read this. Jesus is telling them about a kingdom filled with seekers who will give everything. Here are these men confronted with a man of whom their own report says, Who is like him? Where did he get these teachings? And they reasoned their way into unbelief. And they lost the seeker's heart. And they became like those that the angels cast out of the net and into the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel. And this is the kingdom. And this is the end of the lesson today. Would you stand together? If you've been blessed today, you need to thank Mama Gail because she shook your pastor out of his stupor. Who's coming today for prayer? Who's coming? Who's coming? If you've been a person that's seeking for God, long ago we taught people that the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've been preaching a kingdom that has a king. The king's name is Jesus. And Jesus is the one you call upon. I closed with a story last night. Can I finish it with this story? I'm from the south, and so this story has always spoken to me. There was a man who owned a great plantation, wealthiest man in many counties. All of his family had died. He was survived only by the servants of his household. And yes, a white plantation owner with, with black servants. When he died, he left a will. The will stipulated that everything the man had was to be sold at public auction. And so they came. They came. This man had great riches, great holdings, great works of art, great land. They they came from everywhere. They came and gathered. The lawyer got up and he said, this... The will stipulates that the first thing to be auctioned is a painting 
of the man's son. This man, his last survivor who had died before him, was his handicapped and malformed son. The painting was covered with the, you know, like you do with the, with the sheet. And the lawyer reads these stipulations. And they go over to the, the painting and they, and, they, and they pull the cover off the painting. And there he was, disfigured, marred, broken. They tried not to gasp. Some turned their faces. The auctioneer began his work. Who will give a bid? Silence. And finally, the silence was broken by one of the servants of the house who said, I'll give what I have. Sold, says the auctioneer. And on with the business of the auction they go. The lawyer stops the proceedings and stands up and says, there's another stipulation in the will that goes this way. To the one who receives the portrait of the son goes the entire estate because the father loved the son and gave all things into his hands. And this is the kingdom we're in. John 3:35. the father loved the son and gave him everything. To be heirs of his kingdom is to call upon the name of the Son. His name is Jesus. If you've never called on his name, I can tell you I did. Whoo! <laughs> his name is Jesus. Call upon him. He will answer you. And he will give you the riches of his kingdom. And he will make you into his habitation. Everything he has is yours, and he is yours. And he says, I want you to be mine. And this is the gospel. And so this morning when I give the call, if you've not given your life, if you've not called upon the name of Jesus, do it today. If you have, but your heart is still filled with anxiety, do it again. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for every need there is here. We're going to pray for your, your sickness, your pain, your fear. We're going to pay for, pray for everything that you want prayer for. But especially, we're going to invite people to say yes as they call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus, we need you this morning to come and fill hearts and fill lives. Come, Holy Spirit, come. So just now, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever it is you need, if you need prayer in your life, you need somebody to touch you and pray for you and bless you, come down here now, come. If you're sick, come. If your finances are shattered, come. If your hope is gone, come. If you have a decision to make and you don't know what to do, come. If you don't know how to get where you're going from where you are, come. There's more. There's more for it. Come. Come on. Don't be afraid. Ministry team, you know what to do. Start coming with them. Start coming and getting them. Start coming and praying for them. 
These are your people. These are your sons and daughters. These are your mothers, brothers, fathers. Come. You want to give your life away. He'll, he'll take it. He'll take it. He'll receive you today. I need a lady to come pray for this precious lady right here, right here. And somebody to come pray for Pat. Mike, Mike, come over here and pray for Matt for me. I need somebody. You want, you want some prayer? Adrian, somebody come pray for Adrian. You can't see her because she's not standing. One of my ladies, come and pray for Adrian. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. I imagine Chuck has some more words, and apparently his words are pretty good. Uh, stiffness and pain in the neck, especially uh, the right side. Also had the word uh, urinary tract infection. And I'm going to throw out the name Michelle again. If your name is Michelle and you need prayer, come get some. So if you have pain in the neck, especially the right side, anybody who suffers with a urinary tract infection. And what was the other one? The, the name Michelle again? Yeah, we're going to get that. We're going to mind that. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. It's all right. Cover her up. Somebody come pray right here for this lady. I need a couple more ladies right over here. Help me out, ministry team ladies. Come on. Maria, Maria, you can come. If you will. Yeah, I may. I may have it now, but hey guys, other people who want to come. I see my friend Robert in the back. Robert Lisa was here. Y'all, y'all have, y'all's baby was here for the first time today. And you got a bunch of family. Is this family? Ah, there you go. There you go. We love y'all. I got to, I got to peek. Hallelujah. 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 May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Shalom in Jesus' name, church. Amen. And if you're a guest and you want to come over for our newcomers, uh, please, uh, you can get the information at the, at the desk in the back. I think Nikki will help you or somebody will help you. We want you to come. It's our, we, we always have more food than we need.